Amen, amen. Come on, we got to talk about Samson, okay? Samson is a very, very interesting character because Samson is anointed. Come on, I need you to say that in the chat. Come on. Samson is anointed. Anointed. There's no two ways around it. Samson is an anointed individual. And he's specifically anointed, okay, to kill Philistines. If you're wondering what the anointing is, I'm going to tell you three things about the anointing, okay? Three things about the anointing. Number one, the anointing breaks the stronghold of the enemy. That's what the anointing of God is for, okay? In the Old Testament, whenever there was a wicked, evil king or a wicked, evil ruler, God would bring up or raise up a prophet who was anointed to what? Break the stronghold of the enemy. So number one, the, strong, the anointing of God is to break the stronghold of the enemy. I declare right now over your life, if there's a generational curse in your life, the anointing of God is going to be on your life to break the stronghold of the enemy that's been in your family for generations or has been in your life for years. So whenever there's a stronghold, the anointing of God is there to break the stronghold of the enemy. That's number one. Number two, you are anointed for your assignment. Anointing follows assignment, okay? Whatever your assignment is, that is what you are anointed to do. Now, this is hard for millennials. Ooh, let me talk to this camera right here. Come on. This is hard for millennials. I need you to look at me because we think that advancement comes from more opportunities, but you did not get from third grade to fourth grade by opportunities. No, you got from third grade to fourth grade by completing assignments. And a lot of us are neglecting assignments and we're chasing opportunities. Please do not be an opportunist. At some point, you are going to have to obey the assignment that God has brought on your life. And you are anointed for assignments. You are not anointed for opportunities. Number three. Okay, what, 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 when we say the anointing of God, what do we mean? Well, man, the anointing of God in the Old Testament, the anointing was actually, they, they would put the oil, the oil uh, into a ram's horn. So I want to talk to you about the oil and the ram's horn. Number one, the way that you get oil is that you've got to take olives and the olives have to become oil. Okay, how does... Uh, olives become oil. Well, they have to get crushed, which means the dividing line between an olive and oil is pain. And if you've been avoiding pain, I need you to go back to last week's message because we talked about how the capacity for your greatness is only going to be limited by your pain tolerance. If you want to be great, then you've got to begin to appreciate Pain, because pain is weakness leaving your existence. So uh, the second thing that we got to talk about is the ram's horn. They would put oil in the ram's horn, and they would begin to pour out the ram's horn onto a king or a priest or a leader so that they would be anointed. Well, that ram had to die 
in order for there to be a horn for them to put it in. I hope you already see where I'm going. The reason that you are anointed is because the Lamb of God has died and his blood has made you clean and his blood has made you whole. The reason that we can be anointed is because we are forgiven. The reason that we are anointed is because we have been set free. The reason that we can be anointed is because God's grace and his mercy is available. So number one, come on, the anointing breaks the stronghold of the enemy. Number two, the anointing is for assignments. It is not for opportunities. Number, number three, uh, I think I said number one, and I said number two, and number three, the anointing is not just a gift, okay? A gift in its raw form is like an olive, but that gift has to go through a process of pain for that gift to become the anointing. There's a lot of people who are gifted singers. Then there are people who are anointed singers. For your gift to become the, uh, something that is anointed, it's got to be something that is in opposition to what the enemy is doing. It has to be in the assignment that God has graced you for, for that season or for that vocational uh, uh, stretch of your life. And number three, uh, that, that, that is something that has to be a gift in your life, and we operate in gifts by the grace of God. So I just taught you all about the anointing of God. Here we go. Samson is anointed. What is Samson anointed to do? Samson is anointed to kill Philistines. Every single time we see Samson in the Bible, he is killing Philistines. And the Philistines don't understand how a single man is able to do this much damage to their entire army, their entire kingdom. Well, it's not because Samson is all that strong or all that impressive. It's because Samson is anointed by God. Ooh, get this. Ain't it crazy how Samson is anointed to kill Philistines but has an attraction for Philistine women. I, I, can, can, can you give me this camera? Can you give me this camera? Come on. Ain't it crazy how the enemy knows you're anointed? The enemy knows Samson's anointed. So the enemy does not try to touch the anointing. Oh, no, no, no. He's smarter than that. He doesn't try to touch the anointing. What he does is this. He sends you an appetite so that you sabotage your own anointing. See, 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 Adam is anointed. Adam and Eve are anointed. They're anointed to what? To reign and rule and subdue and be fruitful and multiply. And the enemy does not try to attack the anointing on Adam and Eve's life. He just highlights a tree and gives them an appetite so that death and destruction begin to overtake their life. See, Samson's anointed. He's anointed. Come on. I need you to get this. Come on. I need you to type this in the chat. Come on. Samson's anointed, and so are you. Come on. You're anointed. You're anointed to be a, a curse breaker in your family. Come on. You're anointed. You're anointed for the assignment that God's placed in front of you. You have everything you need for everything that God has called you to do. The enemy is trying to whisper into your ear that you need more resources, or you need more money, or you need more this, or you need more that. Nope. You have everything that you need. 
to complete the assignment that God has for you. Why? Because the anointing of God makes up the difference. When I'm not enough, the anointing is enough. Come on, I did not get on this stage today with my gift. I got on this stage today in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Come on, when Manny Arango runs out, the anointing of God begins to kick in. You are anointed. However, you are going to have to learn how to manage your appetites because the enemy finds anointed people and the enemy does not attack your anointing or try to subtract from your anointing or take away your anointing. Oh, no, no. He actually sabotages your anointing by introducing an appetite into your life that is antithetical to the anointing that God has placed on your life. This generation, uh, millennials, Gen Z, doesn't matter who we're talking to, you can give me this camera right here. Come on, I want to look right at you. You don't have an anointing problem. You have an appetite problem. No, I, need, I need you to get this. You don't need to doubt whether or not you're anointed another day. You are anointed by God. You are graced by God. You've been gifted by God. You have an assignment from God. You are anointed. You have a supernatural ability to do what is difficult for other people. It is easy for you. A natural gift. A natural talent. You are anointed by God. This generation does not have an anointing problem. We have an appetite problem. So we got to talk about Samson's appetite because my man is anointed to kill Philistines. But, oh, he's got an attraction and an appetite for Philistine women. Hard to burn down the factory that produces the Philistines if you like what that factory make. Ain't it crazy? Ain't it ironic? <laughs> Ain't it kind of funny how you like Philistine women but you are anointed to kill Philistines. And ultimately, his appetite is what leads to his downfall because the Philistines know exactly how to destroy Samson. All they have to do is find a woman by the name of Delilah, and Delilah pretends to love Samson, but really she's being controlled by the Philistines. See, when your appetite and your anointing are antithetical to each other, your appetite will always begin to derail and destroy the anointing of God on your life. And I want to give you three points tonight. Come on, three points, three points. I'm just going to give you three points. I'm going to read these. We're going to be done, okay? First, first point is that your appetite is actually a clue as to the anointing that's on your life. See, for a lot of us, we think, that our appetites have disqualified us. Oh, no. Come on. You're human. There's no temptation that sees you except that which is common. I, I, I talk to people all the time who are like, yeah, but you don't understand. You know, I just got another, a, a different level of lust. And I go, no, 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 no. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. There's nothing about what's going on with you that is all that unique or all that different. No. Don't let the enemy lie to you and make it seem like you've got some stronger issue or some weird, obscure thing. No, 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 no. I don't care how, how obscure or weird it is. I'm telling you right now, there's no temptation that has ever seized you except that which is common. And your appetite is actually a massive clue to the anointing and to the assignment that God has 
for your life. They are opposites, but I'm here to tell you that sometimes, oh boy, sometimes the enemy knows more about us than we know about us. And the enemy does not want to fight you at your full capacity. He does not want to fight you at your full strength. So he'd rather send an appetite into your life when you're four years old. He'd rather send an appetite into your life when you're six. He'd rather send an appetite into your life while you're still a teenager. So that by the time you even wake up to the fact that you're anointed, you're already bound by that appetite. But we rebuke the hand of the enemy and we declare over your life that you are free, that you are delivered, that the enemy is not going to have the final say over your life, that you are going to take back control of your mind and your attractions and you're going to take back control over what you like and we are going to declare faith over your life today that the devil is a liar and though he may have introduced an appetite because he got some inside information about your anointing that this is the God who is actually going to give you the discipline and the wisdom to get your appetite, to get your palate free so that you can actually accomplish the assignment that God has for you. See, Pharaoh knows about Moses' assignment, so he kills every boy under the age of two. Herod knows about Jesus' anointing and assignment, so he kills every boy under the age of two. If you think the enemy is ignorant of your potential, or ignorant of the anointing that's on your life, or ignorant of who you have the potential to be, oh, I'm sorry, you, you, you've got the enemy fooled. He is intelligent. He has stalked you. He has known your family for generations. He knows exactly what you like. He knows what height you like him. He knows what gender you like him. He knows what variety you like him. He knows exactly what you like. He knows your favorite sins. It don't matter how much you erase your search history. He knows it. He tracks you better than Instagram. I don't know if you've ever been talking and you're talking um, about something and, and your Instagram ad pops up. That's right. The enemy knows you. The Bible says that he stalks you like prey, that he roams around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And your appetite does not mean that you're not anointed. I need to remind you, you are still anointed. Does not matter what you've tasted. Does not matter what sin you've fallen into. The grace of God is available. And I want to remind you of the anointing that you carry. Who cares what appetite has been sent into your life. It's not too late to get some self-control. It is not too late to get some discipline. It is not too late to introduce some pain into your life. You got to watch last week's message. It is not too late. You have the ability to regain the power of the anointing on your life. Number two, let's talk about appetites. Appetites have this way of ultimately messing with your palate. Appetites have a sneaky way of messing with your palate. I'll say it this way. Appetites distort your palate. Appetites distort your palate. 
I don't know if anybody watching this likes orange juice. I love orange juice, okay? It's my favorite, okay? I love orange juice. My wife will typically have to go to Costco or one of these bulk stores, wholesale stores, to get enough orange juice, and I'll just drink cup after cup after cup after cup of orange juice because I love orange juice. Come on, let me know in the chat. Come on, let me know in the chat if you love orange juice. Come on, light up the chat. All my folks that love orange juice, okay? If you love orange juice, let me know. Uh, 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 here, here's the funny thing. I don't know if anybody's ever made this mistake. Come on, come on, I want to look at this camera right here. Come on, I don't know if you've ever made this mistake, okay? Have you ever made the mistake of brushing your teeth before you drink orange juice? Have you ever made this mistake? If you've made this mistake, let me know in the chat. Come on, if you've ever made this mistake, you gotta let me know. Because ain't it crazy how something... That is designed to be delicious. Something that you like, actually, becomes disgusting based on what was in your mouth before you put the orange juice in there. See, for a lot of us, you're supposed to like worship music. You're supposed to like it. It's supposed to taste good to you. But see, for a lot of us, we've got so much secular music on our tongue that it's begun to distort our palate. Humility is supposed to taste good to you, but you've eaten so much pride that your palate has gotten distorted. I, I, I know guys, come on, uh, I'm going to talk, I'm going to get on the guys, I'm going to get on women. Uh, I know guys who come up to me, they're like, man, I don't know, I, I don't know, having sex with my wife just isn't all that interesting to me. And I'm like, well, like, what, what, what was your life like before you were married, and they were like, ah, oh, man, Pastor Manny, ooh, your boy, you know what I'm saying? I was getting it in. And I was like, ah, oh, that's, yeah, that's the problem. See, you, you were having sex with multiple women, and you, you, were, you were living a polygamous lifestyle before you got married, and you set your palate to having multiple sexual partners. And now you should and could have a, an amazing sexually fulfilling relationship with this woman but bro, she's not a porn star, man. Like you, you like you, 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 you see, pornography set your palate. And now you you could have a healthy, amazing sexual relationship, but you distorted your palate. See, sin, you get an appetite for sin. And 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 sin's funny, right? Like, come on, let's talk about sin. I don't know if you've ever been in one of these re restaurants where ain't no prices on the menu. No, you ever been in one of these, okay? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't make enough money to go to these restaurants, okay? If I go to a restaurant and there are no prices on the menu, I assume I'm in the wrong place, okay? I assume that I'm not where I'm supposed to be if I'm at a restaurant and ain't no prices on the menu. Uh, but, you know, a lot of us, we've ordered unforgiveness off the enemy's menu, We've ordered jealousy off the enemy's menu, and we've ordered idolatry off the enemy's menu, and we've ordered all types of stuff off the enemy's menu. And see, the enemy's menu don't got no prices on it because when he comes with the bill, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, that to eat at the enemy's restaurant is actually going to cost you your life. And the grace of God is that Jesus walks into the restaurant and he's like, okay, you got two options. You can spend eternity doing dishes forever to pay for the meal that you ate that didn't belong to you. 
or I'll pay your bill. And if I pay your bill, I need you to leave this restaurant and never come back. See, the tension for a lot of us is we want Jesus to pay the bill for the sin we ate and we still want to stay at the restaurant. And can I tell you, that's not legalism. Legalism is wanting to work for what Jesus has already done. That's legalism. Uh, discipline, self-control, and a response to God's grace is leaving the restaurant in thanksgiving because Jesus has paid it all for you. See, sin begins to distort our appetites. See, I said I was going to get on the guys, and I said I was going to get on the women. It's so funny. I've had so many young adult women specifically come up to me, and they're like, Pastor Manny, I don't know about this dude. Michael, I don't know. He kind of boring. And I always think to myself, <coughs> I always think to myself, no, 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 baby. Michael's not boring. Michael's normal. The problem is you've had so much dysfunctional that you set your palate to crazy. And now you have an attraction to toxic. You have an attraction to crazy. You have an attraction to people that you should not have an attraction to. Now, let me give you number three. <clears throat> Lastly, number one, your appetites do not cancel out the anointing of God on your life. You're still anointed. The appetite is actually there to get you to sabotage your anointing because the enemy cannot touch the anointing of God on your life. Number two, ugh, appetites will inevitably distort your palate. So over the long haul, you'll end up liking things that are actually not good for you. And then last, number three, I want to remind you that your identity is not based on your appetite. Your identity is not based on your appetite. I need you to look, look me in the face, okay? I need, I'm going to get this on every camera. Come on, come on. Look, look at me. Look at me. Okay, look at me. I'm black. Right here, I'm black. I'm black. Okay, you need to look at this camera right here. Come on. Am I black on this camera? Am I black? Yes, I'm black on this camera. I'm black on this camera too. Uh, can you give me the other camera? Come on. I'm black. I'm black on all the cameras. I'm black. Okay. Listen to me. It don't matter how much Chinese food I eat. It don't matter how much I like Chinese food. I'm not Chinese, and I ain't gonna be Chinese. Okay. I'm never gonna be Chinese. You know why? Because my identity is not based on my appetite. You wanna know what's unfortunate? We live in a world that wants to claim that whatever you have an appetite for must be your identity. But we want to rebuke the lie of the enemy tonight and remind you that your identity is not ever, ever, ever set by your appetite. Oh, no, the devil is a liar. You may be a liar. You may have lied, but God does not call you a liar because that is not your identity. You may have stolen. God does not call you a thief because that is not your identity. You may have sinned. God does not call you a sinner because that is not your identity. He says you're my son. He says you're my daughter. He says you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't care what you've tasted. I don't care 
how long you've been living with your boyfriend. I don't care what you've been doing. No, no, no. Your identity has never changed, will never change. And the world that we live in says, oh, well, if you like that, then that must be your identity. And we're going to have a flag for it and we're going to have a parade for it. And if, if that's your appetite, since that's what you like, I mean, we may as well make that your identity. And the Bible says, no, your identity never follows your appetite. Never. God goes, no, 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 no. You're still my son. You're still my daughter. And I don't care what some legalistic, fundamentalist Christian told you or made you feel judgment about. No, we declare the grace of God is real. And your identity cannot be changed. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And actually, when your identity gets right, your appetite fixes itself. Oh, when your identity gets right, your appetite, you actually have to focus on your appetite that much because everything you do flows out of who you believe you are. It's funny. One of my favorite movies is The Lion King. Come on. Light up the chat if you like The Lion King, okay? I love The Lion King. One of my favorite movies. And uh, Simba, because of her relationship with Timon and Pumbaa, is introduced to a new appetite. He's never eaten slugs before. He's never eaten uh, worms and, and, uh, and uh, you know, he's never eaten all of this, all of this, you know, insects and bugs before. He's eaten like a king. He's eaten like royalty because of his identity. But a new relationship introduces him to a new palate, to a new diet. That's what Delilah always does. Delilah is going to a relationship, a friendship. For some of you, there's some of us, we would have never, ever, ever liked that thing had we not found that relationship. And so Rafiki finally finds Simba. It's funny. Rafiki does not roll up on Simba and say, dang, bro, your breath stank. Your breath smell like slugs. No, that's not what Rafiki does. Rafiki makes him look into the water and makes him say these words. Come on. I remember who you are. Rafiki looks at him and says, what do you see? I see a king. I see Mufasa's son. I am going to remind you of your identity. And maybe tonight, come on, give me this camera. You needed somebody to tell you. It doesn't matter what you've tasted. It doesn't matter what sin you've dabbled in. You belong to God. You are still anointed. God's grace is still on your life. His mercy is better than you can ever have imagined. And his grace is available to you. We declare right now... You are not what you're attracted to. You are not, your identity is not based on what you have an appetite for. But we declare that God's identity over your life is true and real. And last story I'll tell. It's funny, I was in college. And uh, I was actually out of college. And me and Brian Bullock, there's a lot of people uh, who, who know Brian, uh, who go to our church. And me and Brian Bullock were really, really good friends. And uh, I was preparing to get married. I, I needed someone to be accountable to. And Brian was already married. He was five years older than me. It was a great relationship for, like, it, to help me to, like, learn, like, the rhythms of being a married guy, even while I was single. 
Because if you're waiting until you're married to get some married rhythms in your life, it's too late, baby. You got to start that as a single person. You got to prepare for the next season of your life before you get there. And uh, I, I, was, I was saying to Brian, hey, man, I don't want to bring a, 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 a pornography problem into my marriage. Just don't want to do that. I just feel like the wisest thing to do is to get a grip on pornography before I get married, you know. And, and Brian's like, great idea. I'll hold you accountable. And uh, every time uh, he said, hey, every time you mess up, just give me a call. Just literally call me every time. You, you screw up, you mess up, dude, just call me. And I'd call Brian, and Brian would say, man, you are the righteousness of God. At first, I was a little thrown off guard. I thought he was going to call me an idiot, tell me stop watching porn. But he looks at me, he, over the phone, he says, man, I just want to let you know, you are the righteousness of God. I, it it would have been more, I, I, I just wasn't, I just was not expecting him to say that I was the righteousness of God. I was a little thrown off guard. And, uh, you know, maybe a week or two goes by, you know, I screw up again. I call Brian, I confess. Hey, man, I watch pornography again. Dude, I feel really bad. And Brian goes, dude, don't feel bad, man. You are the righteousness of God. And this happens three, four, five, six times, you know. Every time I, I make a mistake, every, every single time I fall into temptation, I call Brian. I'm like, dude, I did it again. He's like, hey, Manny, you're the righteousness of God. Finally, after a while, I begin to say, dude, I don't know why you keep saying that. Like, clearly it's not true, you know. Like, <laughs> clearly, like I'm not, you know. And Brian says, Manny. The reason you keep watching pornography is because you don't believe you're the righteousness of God. He says, one of these days, I'm going to keep saying that you're the righteousness of God. And one of these days, you're actually going to believe it. And then your actions are going to begin to come into alignment with what you believe. If you believe you're a king, you'll eat like a king. If you believe that you are, are, are poor, you'll eat poor. If you whatever you believe to be true about your identity, that is how you will live your life. Manny, you are the righteousness of God. And man, I, I'm, I, I, didn't, I didn't plan on saying this or sharing this, but before I got married, I finally beat the, the t temptation to watch pornography. And it's because I began to believe that I was the righteousness of God. And I tell you, your identity is not based on your appetite, but the other way around. Your appetite is based on your identity. I'm believing that as it is true in the physical, it'll be true in the natural. And as it's true in the natural, in the physical, it'll be true in the spiritual for your life. I tell you, the truth of the natural world is that every 21 days you get new taste buds. Like on your tongue right now, your taste buds. These, these taste buds, you'll get new ones in about 21 days. Which means if you begin to introduce a food over the course of 21 days, you can get anyone to like anything as long as you expose it to them enough because you get new taste buds every 21 days. I have a friend uh, who did not like coffee. So I began over the course of 21 days to give him coffee with a lot of milk and sugar. Then, you know, on day number two, less milk, less sugar, all the way to day number 21, and now, today, not only does he like coffee black, he makes black coffee, he drinks coffee black. Why? Because I introduced change over the course of 21 days because I knew he was getting new taste buds. 
you know what I want for you in your spiritual life? The Bible says that you should hunger and thirst after righteousness. The Bible says to taste and see that the Lord is good. The Bible says that you are supposed to eat the scroll like it's honey because man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You should have an appetite for praise, an appetite for humility, an appetite for confession. Come on, an appetite for agreement, an appetite for giving. Come on, an appetite for forgiveness. We're going to pray that you would get an appetite for those things. If you need prayer, come on, let me know in the chat. Let me know. Come on. Say, God, I need a new appetite. Let me know in the chat. Come on. God, I need a new appetite. God, change my palate. God, I want to pray right now for my brother, for my sister who's watching this live or who's watching this as a recording. God, we thank you that in the name of Jesus, come on, you're giving them a new taste, a new taste for things that please you, that lead to life and not death. God, we thank you in advance that you are fixing our palate. You're cleansing our palate. God, I ask that sermons and the Bible and worship music would begin to be a palate cleanser for my brothers and my sisters tonight. God, I thank you right now that that's not something that I guess preacher can do. That's not something that a pastor can do. That's not something a worship team can do. That's something that only you can do. God, I ask that you would begin to give us a new palate, a renewed mind, and a softened heart. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say together, amen, amen, amen. Hey, family, I love you. I'm going to be here next week preaching uh, the next installment for Don't Touch My Hair. Uh, we'll be online. I'll be here. Uh, and I'm so excited for this sermon series, for the book of Judges, and for what I believe God wants to do in your life. If you live locally, make sure that you're here in the building on Sunday. If you don't live locally, make sure you stream our service that we'll be having online this Sunday. And I'll see you next Wednesday. Peace.